Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. So many of us are hampered or hindered by worrying about what other people will think of us. And what we do is it attracting approval or criticism. Are we accepted or rejected? Do people like us or not like us? And part of uh, the way God has created is that that matters and that's important to us. And uh, those of us who have absolutely no concern or care what other people think of us are actually quite dangerous, whether that's a psychopath or a sociopath or whatever it is. But it can all get out of balance. Like so many things in life, we need to find that sweet spot where the natural fears that God has given us for our own protection are in submission to his will and not dominating us. While we're in John chapter 12, where Jesus is talking about the impending coming of his crucifixion and how that will mean his glorification. He's talked about how difficult and painful that is. He's talked about being lifted up and he's encouraged people to put his trust in him. And we've talked about all of these in in our previous studies. And um, he's talked about performing signs, but still people not believing. So that's where we're going to pick it up in verse 37. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Yet at the same time, verse 42, we did the previous verses in our last study, we'll just jump on to 42. At the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. So John is telling us that there are people who believed, but they kept it quiet. And he says that they didn't want to be, they were fearful of being put out of the community within the synagogue. And then he, he kind of disparaging about it, for they loved human glory more than the glory of God. Well, what's this human glory? It means they loved the praise and approval of mankind more than the praise and approval of God. So their behavior was hindered by their fear. And it occurred to me, five questions that I was interested to explore, that I want to explore with you if you are able to stay with us. What was their fear? Is this real faith? Even though they've got fear, were they not proper believers? What is the consequence of fear? Where does fear hinder faith today? And what can we do to overcome that fear. So what was their fear? Well, it was exclusion from the community. They were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. What that would mean would, would be isolation and loneliness. It may not seem much of a threat if someone suggested that you were no longer allowed to come to church. But in their culture and in other cultures around the world today, the synagogue, the religious place of gathering, was everything. It was the place where everybody went. It was where you felt you belonged. It was really, really important. And to be put out of it would mean being excluded from every kind of social setting and being, therefore being alone. And they were fearful of being alone. Very similar, perhaps, today where folks are fearful of being put out of the mosque or the temple and fearful of that isolation. And coupled with that would come a loss of reputation. That to be put out was such an unusual thing and such a rare thing that they would be uh, the subject of criticism. It would mean that they would perhaps be ridiculed, uh, but it certainly was a disgrace. 
it was a, a really bad thing for people, for the elders to say, you are not allowed to come to our synagogue. And we don't actually know that this was happening at this time. In fact, the suspicion is that this is what they feared rather than what was actually happening at that point. Maybe in 10, 20 years' time, that is what happened. But at this point, there's no evidence that it was happening. They would have lost all their relationships and whatever their trade or profession was, they would have lost their clientele. So there would be a loss of finance. They would lose perhaps their uh, ability to, to um, sell or, or to uh, do craft work for the people in the synagogue. So well, that person has been rejected from the synagogue, we will take our trade elsewhere. So it was a huge financial implication about being, uh, as it were, sent to Coventry, about it being excluded. And there was this huge shame connected with it. And part of that would be that what if they were wrong? What if Jesus wasn't worth believing in? What if they went through all of this and at the end of the day, people were laughing at them? So for this reason, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but they kept it to themselves. They didn't tell anyone. They didn't want the leaders to know. It was a private matter. And that's all too familiar in our world and with our faith, where so often we think, well, it's a private thing. I don't need to tell my friends. I don't need to tell the boss. I don't need to tell my colleagues. I don't need to tell the community. So the question might be, is this real faith? Well, John still calls it belief. And so there is an element where it, it is a sense of faith and belief. But he's quite disparaging of it. He says that, that you know, they, they prefer human glory to God, to, to wanting the glory from God. So it's not respected. So you get this sense almost of a sort of two-tier, two-stream Christianity. The one hand where they are certainly recipients of God's love. They believe in who Jesus is. And there are many people who would call themselves Christians, who believe in Jesus, they believe in the cross, they believe in his love, and they, to some extent, receive his love. But they keep it quiet and hidden. And so, in a sense, it's like not being a disciple. They're a Christian, but they're not a disciple. And I think that causes them to miss out on all that God has for them. Yes, they're still loved, but actually it's a life that's not quite the life that God saved them for. Which leads us to this next question. What is the consequence of backing off through fear, of being trapped by the fear? And there are some real negative consequences. The first one is a lack of self-respect, that we actually feel ashamed of ourselves. We don't like the sense of being controlled by the opinions of others. Although we get trapped in it and find it difficult to change, it's not something that we admire within ourselves. It causes us to, to perhaps hate or dislike who we are. So it's not a good thing from that point of view. The second thing, and far more important, is that a faith that is hidden has no impact. A faith that is obscured, that is uh, uh, kept away from others. If nobody knows who we love and serve, then it has no impact on the community around. And we'll explore that a little bit more in a moment, what that means. But basically, we're not really functioning as a disciple. We're not fulfilling what God has called us to be. 
Because here's the thing that I think I've grappled with more and more in the last few years, and perhaps I've said this a number of times in lots of different ways. Jesus didn't come to create converts. He didn't come to create people who simply believed in him, but for whom that was a secret, private thing that changed no part of their life. No, he came to make disciples, disciples who transformed the communities and the places they were in. So when we uh, hide our faith, we are not functioning as a disciple and we're not functioning as God created us. We're not living out the life he has for us. Therefore, we're by definition living out a second best life, a life that feels frustrating or empty or disappointing. Which leads us on to our next question. Where does faith hinder today? Where there is fear in the workplace or the friendship group, where we fear ridicule or appearing foolish, where we fear exclusion or isolation, where we fear perhaps our promotion will be hindered, that we won't get on in our job if people know us to be a Christian, where we perhaps fear financial loss. These are all real fears that as Christians we often have, that if we stand for Jesus, if we let it be known that we follow and love Jesus, that we'll be ridiculed or excluded or in some way hindered. What does it do to the world we live in? If nobody knows that there are people who follow Jesus close to them, nearby, working alongside them, in their street, in their club, in their family, then Jesus is perceived to be less relevant than he actually is. There'll be many people in our land who would say, I don't know a Christian. I don't know anybody who goes to church. I don't know anybody who's living it out. And therefore, it adds to this caricature and this perception that Christianity is dead and gone and irrelevant. But the tragedy is that many of the people who would say, I don't know anybody who's a Christian, do. They just know people who are too ashamed to say or too quiet to let it be known. And if we hide what matters to us and what we've discovered, the hope we have found, the joy we've experienced, the truth we've discovered, if we hide that, then the people around us don't have someone to turn to for information about Jesus, to ask their questions, to say, what do Christians believe? Uh, And the opportunities to find out more are lost because they don't know anyone who could explain to them what faith is about, what God is doing, why this is happening in the world, what will happen, what will happen when I die, how do I find forgiveness, how do I deal with my self-hatred, how do I find peace, how do I find hope. They don't know who to turn to because the people who they could turn to have kept it hidden. And therefore the opportunity for invitation is lost Because when we're known to be a Christian, it's easy for us to say, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to Alpha with me? Why don't you come and ask those questions that you're asking me? Why don't you come and and explore with me and with others the questions that you're seeking? But that's all lost when our faith is hidden. And those around us don't discover the impact and power of prayer because they don't know that we're praying for them. They don't know that they can ask us to pray for them. They don't know that they can say, would you and your church pray for me in this? So it really matters that we don't hide our faith. 
and that we're not fearful of being excluded. A fear that may be real in some situations. It may be that we are laughed at. It may be that we're excluded. It may be that promotion is hindered. But the reality is in Britain in the 21st century, our fears are far larger than the actuality. And many people have not found themselves to be excluded, but they found themselves to be respected and welcomed and valued. And many people have not found their careers hindered, but they've found an enhancement. So a lot of our fear is unfounded in Britain at this time. Other parts of the world are different, we know. So what can we do to overcome our fear? Firstly, and most importantly, I want to suggest that we count the cost. In other words, is well done from God worth more than the silence when we get to heaven? Does it matter more to me to hear God say, well done with what you did with the breath I gave you. Well done with the opportunities I put before you, with the relationships that I uh, encouraged you to have. Well done that you used them for my glory. Rather than getting to heaven and him saying, welcome, and you're hanging and waiting for him to say, and this was good, and that was good, and here's the fruit and effect of your life, and actually the silence. My sin will be removed. God is not going to condemn me for the things I've done wrong. But if I keep silent, I miss out on the opportunity of hearing God say, well done. So I want to count the cost. Is well done worth more than the silence? You'll know, I often say that for me, my primary motive is to get to the end of my life and hear God say, well done. And a secondary uh, thing for me in counting the cost is, is seeing a baptism worth more than conformity? And for me it is. When you see a baptism of somebody whose life you've been a part of, who's somebody that we've been able to share our faith with, who've been able to watch us and we see them baptized and we hear their story and maybe we're mentioned and maybe we're not. It doesn't matter, but we know we were a part of it. Do you know what? That is worth far more than fitting in. That is worth far more than conforming to the standards and values that society expects of us. And so is fulfillment worth more than comfort? And I think it is. Sometimes being a disciple of Jesus is uncomfortable. But that is better than feeling our lives have been pointless. And I would rather feel fulfilled than comfortable. So what can we do to overcome fear? The first thing is we count the cost. What do we really want from life? Secondly, we bring our fear honestly to God. We say, Lord, I'm frightened. I'm frightened of what that person thinks. I'm frightened of what that person says. I'm frightened of what that person will do. I'm frightened of what the office, the group, the friendship group, my peers, my colleagues, my neighbors, I'm frightened. And we bring it to God. And we say, Lord, I just place it before you. I'm real and I'm honest with you. Lord, will you give me strength? Will you give me courage? Will you help me do what is right despite my fears? And we ask others for prayer. And there's real power in people praying for us in this issue as, as with many others. And people say, how, how did it go? I pray for you this morning as you went into work. How did it go? I pray for you as you spoke to your family. How did it go? And that sense of support and partnership is really crucial. We gather around us, a small group of people, and we say, Lord, will you pray for me? Really worried about what these people think of me. Will you help me? And lastly, we drink in Scripture. We allow the word and promises and truth of the Bible to take hold of us and to be the louder voices than the voices of fear. 
and the voices of, of God's word speaking of his strength and his courage and his calling upon us and the desire to serve him, that those words become louder than the voices that say hide and withdraw. So what are our questions for reflection? Where is fear silencing us unhelpfully? Where do we recognize that? It's not that we have to shout it from the, the, the rooftops. We've talked about this before. It's not about being insensitive and, and loud and crazy in our language. It's just about being honest about who we are and what matters to us. We're honest about the football team we support. We're honest about the street we live in. We're honest about the hobbies we have. We're honest about what we do at the weekend. We're honest about what matters most to us. We're honest about who we believe in. So what does less fear look like for us? What's that going to mean in the way we live life this coming week? Let's pray. Lord, will you help us to be people of courage who fear not exclusion and isolation and ridicule and criticism to the extent that we become paralyzed. But that by the power of your spirit, we have the confidence to continue to own your name, to continue to speak of our love for you and the value we have found in faith. Help us to be truthful witnesses. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.